Susan. Jordan. What's going on, Susan? Ah, we've been pretty busy, haven't we? We've been busy get, <laughs> getting that March edition of the Inner Circle ready. It's crazy. Yeah, March. Jesus. For, for everyone who doesn't know, which I can't really believe if you don't know this already, but Susan mm -hmm. is my co-coach in the Inner Circle. Uh, Susan, can you just tell everyone where they can follow you if they don't already? Sure. Um, Susan Niebergolf Fitness, just about everywhere, mostly Instagram, YouTube, you know, Facebook, that kind of stuff. And I have a book, uh, Fit at Any Age, It's Never Too Late, on Amazon. I love it. So every month, Susan and I do Q&A style podcasts. I open up a Q&A on my Instagram and I just ask people what they want to know. And then we go on my podcast and do a Q&A. And then also on Susan's podcast, we do a Q&A as well. Um, and I don't even have the question in front of me, but I saw it earlier. And anytime you mention your book, Fit at Any Age, it, it jogs my, my memory or my thoughts about it. But someone commented today, because you and I did Q&A last night on mm -hmm. my story, just a few, oh, and, and yeah. people loved it. People thought oh, that was yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And, uh, and someone mentioned, basically they, they asked to the effect of, can you ask how Susan, to the effect of how does Susan stay motivated to train even at her age? Because someone was saying they were like in their 40s and they really struggle with it. And you're, you're what, 61 now? Mm -hmm. 61. Going on 62. Going on 62. <laughs> How, how do you stay motivated to work out? Like, wh are, do you ever struggle with that? Uh, I mean, w what age did you really start strength training at? You know, it's interesting. I, I mean, I've been in the gym for a long time. I, like most everybody else, started in a class, going to classes. And back in the, gosh, that was probably early 90s maybe, where they were all high intensity, you jump around, a lot of whoop whoop and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then Step you do classes. weights at the end, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of thing. But the cool part about that was it was a little community thing. So that that's how I got introduced to everything hired a trainer because I kept looking over at the free weight section thinking, well, that looks kind of interesting, you know, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of how the journey began. But it was interesting because back in the 90s, things were really different. I mean, it, it, it kind of what they showed you was a little different than, than now. It was very, very conservative, machine-oriented, whatever. But I didn't care. I mean, it got me there. And I progressed over time as time progressed. Things shifted a little bit, and so did the trainers and how they trained. Um, but really didn't get serious until you and I started working together. I mean, I had worked with trainers before, without a doubt, um, at this gym, at that gym. Never had any kind of nutrition help ever along those lines until we started working together. And I didn't even come to you for nutrition. Yeah, yeah, you want to be a power <laughs> right? lifter. Because yeah. I thought I already knew what I was doing. Obviously, I did not. Um, so, yeah, so serious seven years um dabbled in it a whole lot longer than that just spinning my wheels you know trying this trying that this trainer seeing him once a week trying that trainer seeing that person once a week no continuity no programming that made sense none of that so i've been exposed to it for a long time but serious seven years and no i'm not motivated all the time at all i'm, I'm a human just like everybody else and it, it it's not i think that part that piece gets a little harder as you get older. So how do you deal with that as you get older and as, you know, as it gets harder? Because I think basically everything gets harder as you get older, right? Oh, like everything. Everything does. Getting up in the morning is yeah. harder. <laughs> Making friends is harder. Every, right. Everything. Learning is harder. Everything is everything harder. Everything is so, harder. So how do, you, how do you deal with that? Like knowing that, that as, as you get older, things get harder, how do you get to a point where you're like, fuck it, I'm, I'm not going to let that prevent me from working out or trying to improve? That's kind of what I say to myself. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what I say. Because I've seen so much improvement in my health, in, in strength, and just I feel like overall longevity. My goal is to do this. We joke about this when I'm 100 years old. You know yeah, what I mean? My yeah, goal yeah. is to do that. And so I'm driven by that. You know, and I think what's helped me along the way too is when I've been giving myself these little goals along the way, strength goals or mm. muscle building goals or something. I think that's what keeps me going. Like, yeah, I want to get the 45 pound weighted chin up for about five, six reps. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Right. But my elbows have been bothering me. So, you know what? I can't do that right now. So, okay, I'm doing other stuff right yeah. now. You know, it, yeah, I get nicked up. This bothers me one morning and then it's my hip. But, you know, it's welcome to getting old. Yeah. But, but got the thing is. Got a bone spur, got yeah. arthritis. Yeah. And I've got an, an AFib, a, you know, I've got a heart condition now. Yeah. So, it, I haven't missed a day of training, though, you know, yeah. because. I want to do these things. So I kind of like, 
you have to tell yourself, you know, shut up and go. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it seems easier said than done. Of course it is. But, you know, that doesn't mean I, I'm chomping at the bit to go every day. And most days I am. Because <laughs> and the other part of that is because I allow my body to rest, mm, too. Yeah. So I'm not burning myself out thinking more is better. So, yeah, I put some distance in between workouts, and that makes it better. My body feels better. You know, it. you learn, I think, as you get older, how your body reacts to certain things. And then, you know, if your goal is to maintain health and longevity and whatever, then your training can look a certain way. If you want to drive and get those chin-ups, the weighted chin-ups like I do, I think your training looks a little different. I, I think sometimes people get frustrated when they're, when they're trying to train for something super hard, but that's not really their goal. Yeah. You know, they think that they have to. Yeah. You know, the... I'm glad you brought up the rest days bit because people were asking questions about it because we answered that question last night in the Q&A. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of, I think, the most overlooked aspects of rest days, aside from the physiolos- physiological benefits that you get from it that you that you get when you, you need to take rest days, if you don't take it physiologically, you're going to be setting your body back significantly. You're never going to make the progress you want. But I think the psychological benefits of when you take a rest day you get so much more excited to work out the next day, right? Yeah. It's like it makes your workout something that's more special, that's more exciting. I think when when your goal is purely aesthetic, you want to work out every day because you're scared you're going to ruin your progress. But when your goal is more performance-based and you allow your body to recover and take the rest days, you actually get more excited because you get you took some time away and you also know the next workout you're going to have so much more energy to, to put into it. That's a thousand percent correct and that's what happened with me mm. like I feel like I was that person that would over exercise unnecessarily mm-hmm. because I was afraid that if I didn't I would you know not make all the progress and all that kind of stuff and the irony with all that was I was making no progress anyway you know <laughs> it, but you can't see that in the moment because you're too afraid you're paralyzed yeah. by fear you're scared you're gonna lose what you have yeah, yeah. what whatever it is that you have you're yeah. afraid that's gonna go bye-bye and, and so when you get caught up in being paralyzed like that, you just, you know, better the devil you know. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah. And, and that's where I was stuck for a long time. Uh, I feel like once I, I trusted rest days and realized that I wasn't going to lose everything when mm-hmm. I took a day off and how much better my workouts became mm. and then the progress started happening, it's like it was eye-opening. Yeah. And then the relationship with exercise is so much better. Mm-hmm. Because most days I chomp at the bit to go. Yeah. I can't wait. Oh, it's a workout day. I mean, it's great. People were asking last night in my DMs, they were asking, uh, how many rest days should you take a week? What do you think about that? So I'm I'm of the elk, especially getting older, the more the better, to, to be honest with you. I, I think the week, can, using the week can complicate things. I agree. Yeah, um, I and, agree. And I think especially as you get older, because what I have changed fairly recently with my own training is I literally put a day in between each workout Mm -hmm. which is actually adding like an extra rest day because we do lower body and then it's a rest day and then upper body and a rest day so between the body part switching and the rest day it's like two rest days so what that's what I have found is my body loves that Mm -hmm. but that takes longer than a week to get through Right. right it's like eight days instead of seven and to me, I don't care. Yeah. I, you know, that's not going to make any the difference. The week is made up. It, it's right? a, it's The seven-day week is made up. Yeah, it's just a random amount of time. Yeah. It does keep us organized. It does keep people on schedules and things like that. I get it. But for working out, if you just cycle through and find that pattern that works best for you, I don't care, eight, nine, ten, it doesn't matter. Yeah, your right? training week could be a ten-day week. Absolutely. Right? Like it's, it doesn't have to be a... Uh, a seven day training week you could make your training week 10 days yeah. to allow for however many rest days you need to also fit in three four or five training days in. absolutely absolutely and, and I feel like that's really benefited me doing that yeah so you know I, you know I don't know if you do it per week that would be two three per week I guess on some average or whatever but um, I think there are people that take the one day and on that one day they're still do, out there doing stuff yeah you know yeah. and and that's that's the issue. Whenever I have to address rest days, and it may have come up in, in this Q&A too, um, when, when they say, okay, it's a rest day, but can I do this? Can I do that on a rest day? And so the brain hasn't really understood what a rest day is. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
It does bring up a question, though, cause, and actually someone asked this in, in today's Q&A. Uh, I was going to save it for later, but might as well do it now. Someone asked, can you do anything on a rest day? Because some people are like, well, what? Am I just supposed to lie down all yeah, day? Like, yeah. wh- what can you do on yeah. a rest day? Someone asked, like, can I do any cardio or can I do anything? So what do you say to them? Like, what, what can they do or what should they do? Yeah, I, I feel like we're in extremes here. Yeah, and there's yeah. a gray area that we're all that, that, that we're completely missing. No, you don't have to lay down or sit down all day. You have to be on day. bed rest all day. No, I mean, no. You could walk. You can do some light cardio. You could do yoga. You can do mobilization activities. You could do things like that, which are yeah. very complementary to your heavy lifting. But don't don't start. To, the issue I have with this is that people take that and that inch, yep. and they take it and make it two you inches. Give them and an three inch, inch. They take a mile. That's yeah. exactly <laughs> what. So mobilization exercises turns into explosive I class, power. Exactly. You know, I mean, no, a hit class is not a rest day. Orange theory is not a rest day. Orange CrossFit theory. is not a rest no. day. Yeah. No. Yeah. Powerlifting no. is not a rest day. No. Yeah. But if you want to go do some zone two cardio on the elliptical, sure. Yeah. That actually could feel really, really yeah, good. Yeah. Absolutely. That doesn't mean you go down there and do. Um, all-out sprints for 30 minutes. Correct. You know, I, yeah. I think therein lies the difference. I think people also, they don't understand physiologically what's happening. They're like, well, what's the, what's the difference? Like, why does it matter if I do low intensity or high intensity? And they don't understand the concept of, of central fatigue, for example. They don't understand the concept of when you start going at a much higher intensity, you're not only never mind stressing the the body but also stressing the nervous system yeah stressing your mind and you're doing things that maybe you think it doesn't matter but it's actually stressing your body to the point where it's going to impair your recovery it's going to impair muscle growth it's going to impair strength and ironically the people who continually hammer home the idea of well i just need to go harder i just need to go harder i just need to go harder they're the ones who are continually unhappy with their progress as well oh, always it, it's the old age more is better in yeah. the brain yeah and for exercise intense exercise that's not really the case no you know because of everything that you just said and I feel like that is the mental hurdle, uh, that it, it seems sort of intuitive. Well, if this amount of exercise is good, this much must be even exactly. better. And it just doesn't work that way. Right. Like if, I, if, if I'm going and if I'm doing zone two for 30 minutes and that's good, then it's probably better for me to go to zone five for 30 minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, There's yeah. a reason why we say we want you to go lower intensity. Yeah. And the cool thing that, that I've noticed from doing more zone two and this lower intensity cardio on my on my off days as well is just, I just feel so much better. My sleep quality has improved. My, my conditioning has improved. My rest time between sets, I actually don't need as much rest when I am lifting heavier now, my, my recovery time is way faster. It's It's been really, really, really cool to see these these overall improvements from sticking to a lower intensity movement on my rest days. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Same with me. And, and just speaking from somebody who has some injuries and whatever, that movement in zone two cardio, whatever you choose to do, and of course there's a million different options, um, you could find one that will actually really help your injury, which has really helped my hip in yeah. particular, right? Yeah. Because the elliptical, I have discovered, that is the magic sauce for me. Yeah, and, I love the elliptical. Oh, oh, man, I do too. And I used to bash it. I used to hate it, right? <laughs> and, and, and it's so funny because I would see people, like, read books or what. And, man, if you're one of those people, props, because the bouncing around. I can't and, do it. I, I can't, can't read. I can't, I can't either. I can't do that. I, no. I can listen to an audio book. Yes. But with all the movement, like, yes. I, can't, I don't know how people can stay on the same line <laughs> reading a book. I don't either. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I can listen. Absolutely. Um, even watching something is a little tough for me on that. But it just... It's a great example of I'm keeping the joint happy and moving and, yep. and getting blood flowing, and I'm not taxing anything. Yep. You know, yeah. And it's just been a great compliment. All right, let's see. So we've got a bunch of questions today. Someone asked, "How the hell do I eat 140 grams of protein a day on a budget?" Which is a good question. You know, protein is is not like the it's probably the most expensive macronutrient. I think so, yeah. probably. I mean, you can yeah. get fats and carbs for very low cost. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd say one of the, the easiest ways to get protein on a budget is eggs. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I think eggs are – I yeah. think eggs are a superfood, which is an overused term, but, like, they're amazing. I love eggs. I eat eggs all the time in various, you know, ways. Um, I, I think you have to look at it this way. You know, there, there, there are ways – 
to buy protein in bulk that is going to be less expensive. If you have a membership to one of those, like Costco's or something like that, obviously I would look at it there. You know, if you use chicken as an example, that goes on sale all the time yeah. wherever you are. You yep. know, you buy more and freeze a lot of it. I mean, it's thinking about it that way. The other thing when I hear something like this is it's, I'm not sure that the person understands how much protein is contained in an average sized piece of chicken, let's mm. say, for example. They probably think it's way less than it actually is. Yeah, yeah. So getting the 140 grams of protein on a budget is not going to be nearly as hard as what you think it is yeah. when you start measuring out your food and use Google how many grams of protein are in a cup of non-fat yogurt or something like that. You yeah. know, I, I think you'll find that it adds up really quickly. I think people are surprised. They, they think they're not getting enough protein because they're not actually measuring out the portion size. But if you actually measure out three ounces of chicken, that's nothing. It's like nothing. Like, most people probably have closer to 9 to 12 ounces of chicken. Yes. And they, they think it's only 3 ounces, which is an <laughs> issue from their calories. And it's they, they actually think they're eating way less than they are, and they think they're eating way less protein than they actually are, when in reality, they're eating way more. Yeah. So so it sort of can screw with them. So I think, you know, getting a, a, a what's it called, not a measuring cup, a scale, a mm-hmm. scale to mm-hmm. measure out the actual mm-hmm. portion size. And then the other thing I'd also say, so we've got eggs. When I when I was on a budget in college, eggs were my number one. Yeah. I would get these huge containers of eggs with, like I don't know, like 36 eggs mm-hmm. in there or something, and I would have eggs and oatmeal. I called it the poor man's mm-hmm. breakfast. It was like that's what I had almost every day. Um, and then I would, I'd go to the farmer's market. When I, I was in Delaware, they had a farmer's market, and they had like all this. They had chicken thighs. Chicken thighs are so low cost. Mm-hmm. Just like they're not like they're they're less expensive than chicken breasts, and like it's I, it was good meat. It was yeah. great meat. I would cut off the fat sometimes, yeah. and, and then I would just cook those, and I'd get those. I'd freeze them, um, and then also the other thing is protein powder, right? I mean, protein powder. If you look at the tub, the tub looks expensive, but if you're just taking one scoop, that's already 25 grams of protein, and actually per gram of protein, it's very cost effective. Yes. That's it, what a lot of people don't realize yeah. about protein powder. Oh, yeah. And you put in, I've been telling a lot of people recently, um, if you're a one scooper, go to be, be a two scooper. Yeah. Because not only is it going to be richer and maybe even taste a little bit better, be, um, you could even mix it with a little bit of milk, like a fair life milk or something that has more protein in it. Um, all kinds of things to do. Yeah. Don't forget about protein You take powder. two scoops of protein powder, you get about, we'll call it 50 grams of protein for a, literally like a, a, maybe a dollar fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a dollar fifty for 50 grams of protein. It's not much at all. And that's where I think, so I mean, Susan and I both love Legion, uh, Legion Athletics. That's mm-hmm. what we have. If you want, I'll, I'll put a, a link in the show notes so you can get 20% off your first order. But I mean, we've been having protein powder every every month you're here. We have protein yeah. powder after yeah. our workouts. Yep. We, we like our favorite right now is the cocoa cereal. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon cereal is great as well. Um, but the cocoa cereal is phenomenal. And it's literally, it's, it's, it works out to like a dollar fifty yeah. for two scoops. Yeah, and it tastes for fifty phenomenal. grams of protein. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. So, so I, I, th- I think people just don't understand, like you said, that the the amount of protein per item of protein and and how much protein is actually contained, how many grams, and that they're probably getting closer to that one forty number than they actually think they yeah. are. You yeah, it's exactly right. And if you don't, if, the, the other thing is. Whenever we put out the, you know, take your goal weight times one or whatever for grams of protein, people think, okay, oh my God, I don't hit that number, you know, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to lose everything. <laughs> my workout wasn't even worth it. It wasn't even it, yeah, worth yeah, yeah. it. I only got 110 for God's sake. Yeah. You know, it's like, you guys, it's an aim for. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Is, that's like in an ideal scenario. Yeah. But it's, it, nothing is ideal. No. Nothing is perfect. Plenty of people have built significant muscle without hitting that exact number. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, people have built muscle in in, in terrible scenarios and very unideal scenarios with very little weight uh, available to them and maybe not on a lot of sleep and their schedule is insane. But like, would it be more ideal if they had better a uh, better situation, a better better life circumstance? Of course, but yeah. they're still doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are days I probably don't even get that much. I mean, yeah. I, it just happens, and it's okay. You know, it you, everyone's going to be fine. But it's good to have a number to kind of aim for because then you get better at it. You know. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's see. <laughs> okay. I, I I was interested to see how you'd respond to this. Someone asked, "How would you respond if someone called you a fat bitch?" <laughs> 
And I'm I'm assuming this person was called a fat bitch, and then and they don't know how to reply. But what? How would you respond if so? Let's say someone's called Susan. You're a fat bitch. <laughs> how would how would you oh, reply to that? You know. The, the feisty part of me would have kicked their ass. Yeah. I mean, just say, shut the hell up and, you know, whatever. Yeah. That I, I, and I think I, I would have said that years ago and not done it. I mean, I would have thought that yeah. and not done it. Yeah. Now I'm not so sure that I wouldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. I, I just feel like anybody that comes across like that, uh, you know, gloves off. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have this streak in Square me. Square up. Let's I, go. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I almost got into a fight at a Redskins game one time. You know, I mean, Tim had to pull me off of this person. So, I mean, you know, I have this in me. I I, I am a little bit taken aback by that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I knew that one would surprise us. I was yeah, like, I like, want to see what she would say to this I question. mean, my gut instinct is. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I think it, it really depends on. It depends on what you want to achieve with the outcome here, right? Like, do you do you want to achieve like a, a more of like a civil outcome? Do you want to make them potentially feel bad? Because what I've found is, and this is more of like mental kung fu, right? Like like a verbal kung fu, trying to like I'm trying to figure out how can I win this battle, right? And I've found that sometimes the initial gut response of like. Oh yeah, fuck you. That yeah. actually that emboldens them, and sometimes it makes them feel mm-hmm. happy that that they got to you. Uh-huh. So for me, anytime someone tries to insult me, which happens all the time, I'll usually I try and laugh and I'll agree with them. And this is something that has taken me a while to get to this point because my initial gut response is I'm going to choke you. <laughs> yeah, like that's my initial it's gut coming. response. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. okay, like you want to say that like. I'm going to choke. No, but but actually, the response that often is the worst for them, the one that just eats their soul apart, is when you laugh and you agree, right? And and even regardless of whether it's true or not, I'd be like, you're right. I am a fat bitch. And then, and just see what they say, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they're not going to be happy yeah. about that. But again, it really depends on, on your goal. Now, for example, if your goal is to stand your ground and to not let people walk all over you, then maybe the right response is like, fuck you, mm-hmm. right? Just so you're like, hey, you know what? I need to practice standing my ground. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if your goal is something different, like for me, I think my goal in this is how can I make them feel really bad? And oftentimes it's not coming back with a forceful response. It's just laughing. And that would throw them so off. That's the worst. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I think about it in terms of, I, I was telling you in jujitsu about mm-hmm. jujitsu yesterday, how one of the worst feelings in the world is when you're going against someone and you're exhausted and they don't seem tired at all. Mm-hmm. And you just feel like you're drowning. Yeah. And you, Or like in boxing, you hit someone with your best punch. Like you wind up, you land this haymaker and, and it hits them in the jaw. And in your mind, you're like, they, they should be knocked out, but they just look at you and they keep walking forward. And you're like, I gave them my best shot and it did nothing. There's nothing more demoralizing than that. And I feel like the verbal the verbal kung fu equivalent of that is they give you their best shot and you laugh. You know, it's so funny because as soon as you said that, it brought up a football reference. Back in the heyday when the Redskins were Super Bowl contenders, their offensive line were so good they would go up to the line and tell the defense, we're running right over here, and stop us. And they couldn't. <laughs> and they couldn't, yeah. And they couldn't, and that just demoralized It's them. the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it depends on what, on, on what the goal on the is goal. and where you are and where you are. With I, I remember one time I was in high school, and I had a – I was working at the gym, obviously, but also to make more money, I, I got a job as a, as a host at an Italian restaurant. And one of the guys, he was in college, and he was just always a dick to me. I don't remember his name. I remember, it's so funny how these things in our life that in the moment just we think are these huge, huge, big deals, and years later, I don't even remember his name. But he was just always a dick to me. He was always trying to make fun of me. He was all, and I walked up to him, and I was like, listen, man, I don't know what your problem is, but if you have an issue, say it to my face, and let's go figure it out. Mm-hmm. And ever since after that, like he, he was like, you know what? I respect that. I apologize, and it was never an issue. So you really have to figure out what's the goal here. Like, is the goal – because if, if I had just done the laugh method at that point, I think he probably would have kept doing I it. I think so, too. I don't think it would have stopped him. So you have to figure out what's the goal here, what is the kind of person that you're dealing with is it a significant other is it someone that you have never met is it someone online I mean people call me shit all the time online there are entire threads about me online on the internet people who've never met me and so you have to figure out what's the goal here um, 
in one instance just laughing at them like just having a huge laughing fit might be a great scenario and the other scenario would be like shut the fuck up before i make you shut mm-hmm. up like that's another prop maybe an appropriate situation yeah. appropriate response depending yep. on the situation yep. but uh yeah so that's how i would respond yeah i feel you <laughs> um let's see okay is it true that if you are smaller you burn less calories I mean, you have less of you. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and, and so that's why it can be harder and for, for shorter people, smaller, petite people to lose like the last however many pounds. You know, if you're small, I, how many times do, do I get asked this question? I am like 5'2 or whatever. I weigh 115 or I want to weigh 105 or something like that. And it's like, man, you, here's the deal. You're short. Yep. There's less of you. It's going to be hard just on that. You don't weigh much to begin with. Yep. Okay. And now you want to weigh less than that. And yet they still want to eat whatever the hell they want to eat. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? No. Yeah. And unfortunately, no. I mean, it's kind of a hand that you're dealt. And, and listen, I'm I'm short. Like, I'm a short dude. Like, I struggle with this as well. The, the, I, I know we're not cars, and I hate oftentimes people use the car example, but you, you take like a moped. It's a very small little thing. Like it, you, it, it doesn't use as much gas right. as something that like is way bigger. Yep. As like a Humvee, for example, that burns way more gas yep. than the moped. So I mean, it's sort of it's similar in humans, where it's like the smaller you are, the f- less calories you're going to burn. That's your energy. That's what we run off of. It's like it's like our gasoline, right? So someone who's way bigger. They will burn way more calories yeah. just, just from living. Your body doesn't, if you're smaller, your body doesn't need yeah. all that stuff. And for whatever it's worth, that's actually one of the reasons why generally smaller people tend to live longer. Mm-hmm. Like the, the really big, big it's like if you look at bodybuilders, they don't have a long lifespan. Yeah. And, and there are many potential reasons for that. But the bigger, the bigger, the bigger, the bigger you are, the more stress on the body. And this is actually one of the reasons why I'm so upset at the the community around people saying like having a ton of extra body fat doesn't necessarily uh, have a detriment on your health. It's like if you look at the lifespan of people with a very high body fat percentage, there is no question, like there is no question, it is a fact that they will not live as long. Yeah. It is more stressful on the body. Even if in this moment they might their blood work might be fine, even in this moment they could be healthy, we're not thinking 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road what that accumulated stress on the body is going to have. Yeah. So it's like the bigger you are, the more stress is on your body. And yeah, the more energy and calories you'll burn, but it can be more stressful. So same thing in reverse where like it's one of the – the difficult cards you're dealt when you're smaller like me is you're not going to burn as many calories. So you can't eat as much mm-hmm. without gaining weight. But that's that's life. That's it. That's, that's what it. God yeah. gave you. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. how it works. And you, and you have to deal with it accordingly. And, and that being said, it doesn't mean that you can never lose weight or something. You just need to have a little bit of a reality check and decide what are you willing to do. You know? And then, you know, if you if you lose those pounds, are you, will you be able to really enjoy your life down weighing that less? You know? Yeah. amount. I mean... A lot of questions to ask yourself on that. Okay. Someone said, if I don't have time for weight training and cardio, which should I prioritize? What do you think? I would say it depends on your goal. You Mm -hmm. know, 100% it would depend on your goal. Um, For me, I would prioritize strength training Mm -hmm. just because those are where my, that's, you know, my goal. I will say this though. I don't know if I'd be 100% on board with that with me now, just with my recent heart situation. Yeah. It may be that some days I'm going to prioritize um, the cardio piece. My heart will always want to prioritize. And, and the emotional heart, not the physical heart, the yeah. emotional heart will want me to do strength training yeah. all the that's time. That's what you that, enjoy more. It's that's, more fun. Yeah. Obviously. But now with medical situations that I have, it might be better that I prioritize my heart, yeah. my physical heart sometimes, depending on how things are going. So I, I think it just depends on your goal. Yeah, it does depend on your goal. I will say questions like this, I understand them. It, it's not I, – I hate the questions where people say, if you could only do one exercise for the rest of your life, it's like, well, that's just not realistic because we can do a fuck ton of exercises. Yeah. So I'm not going to just choose one because yeah. we could do Why as many I? as we want. But – the, this question sort of reminds me of that in that you could do both. Yeah. It, I think just because you can't do strength training and cardio in the same day 
doesn't mean that you can't incorporate both throughout the week. Mm -hmm. And especially if we talk about what we were talking about earlier, where you elongate your training week, instead of having that Mm seven-day week, you make it a 10-day or Mm -hmm. even a 14-day training week. Cool. Then you could have three cardio sessions and three strength strength training sessions in a 14-day time period, and you're prioritizing both. That. So when you just said that, literally, I I don't know, I got like chills because it's like, <laughs> think of the, you guys, think of the freedom with that. Yeah. I mean, it's outrageous. The freedom you will have now with 14 days. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean you work out hard every day now no, for 14 days. No. That means now you incorporate rest days when appropriate. Now you don't have to worry about, if I only have time to do one, it doesn't, then pick one and do the other one, that, you know, another day. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I mean, that's like, that's groundbreaking mindset stuff. Yeah. It, it, people have, have have handicapped themselves from the perspective of, well, they're, they're so rigidly sticking to this seven-day week. Yes. It's like, just elongate it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. What, like, the body isn't on this seven-day cycle. No. So if you can fit three, and that's just an example, but three strength and three cardio in 14 days, you can definitely do that. Oh my gosh, yes. You can definitely do that. And I was that person, like Monday had to be lower body day for me. And if it didn't, I started getting wigged out a little (laughs) bit. You know, that's a little, that's obsessive and it made no sense because it wasn't helping me. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, even using this, and I'm just sort of spitballing here, but using the 14 day timeline. So that's two, that's two weeks, right? So two standard seven day weeks. So you could have... Let's say week one and week two, or week A and week B, and week A might be strength on Monday, cardio on Wednesday, strength on Friday, and then week B would be cardio on Monday, strength on Wednesday, cardio mm-hmm. Friday, and you flip flop between week A and week love B, that. week A and week B. Yeah, there you go. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's your programming. I love that. And then that way you have Tuesday, Thursday. Saturday, Sunday as your rest days that you can still do cardio or movement or yoga or Pilates or stretching, whatever you want to do on those days. But you have those built-in strength and cardio days within those four, that 14-day time. Everyone with a busy schedule, listen close to that. Yeah. Because that has freed up time for everyone. Yeah. Just that, yeah, man, this is like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like pumped. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. What are your best recovery tips for sore muscles? Move, to be honest <laughs> with you. Movement. Yeah. You know, it, and I mean, I don't get sore a lot, but when I do, I, and, and fairly recently, I remember being really sore and thinking, ugh, you know, nothing feels, you know, your body's trying to yell at you, telling you don't move, but it's the one time you really shouldn't listen and yeah. you really should move, whether it's walking, do some cardio, whatever. But what I have found is this, the soreness, if you go to the gym, it's supposed to be a lifting day and you, you feel like you're too sore to lift, I would say go and give yourself a nice long time to warm up, maybe longer than you do normally, right? Get the heart rate going, do several warm up sets, very lightweight. What you're gonna find is all that stiffness and the soreness, when you're in your warm-up sets, that's gonna start to go away. It's gonna dissipate a little bit and you may be able to do more than what you think. Yeah. That happens to me every single time. I think I'm never gonna be able to do anything yep. and I try it anyway. It may not have been the best, you know, but I still was able to do it and continue. You yeah. know, I think just movement. Yeah, I think movement is super important. Um, sleep. Which I feel like yes. it's just it's getting to the point where yeah we get it sleep we get yeah. it sleep people just brush it off because it's not sexy or expensive or it doesn't have like a, a great marketing behind it but sleep yeah I think sleep is just so 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 important it's massively underrated people hear it all the time get more sleep get more sleep but they don't they don't actually prioritize it if you're really struggling with soreness I think you you got to be prioritizing sleep a hundred percent yes and and the other thing here is in terms of overly sore muscles. I've found that the vast majority of times that people are, are overly sore, it's one of two situations. The first situation is they're new to strength training mm-hmm. and they're getting that really bad muscle soreness, which happens when you're new. Or yeah. even if I took a month off strength training and then I came back, I'd be so sore. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think when you first start strength training, you can be almost scared by that. I remember the first time I ever deadlifted 
And then the, the following days after, I, I'm not kidding you, I literally almost went to the hospital because I thought that I was having kidney issues. Oh, wow. And I, it was funny because I was at that gym. I was at the gym when I, with Stacy and uh-huh. Kevin McCarthy. Uh-huh. And Kevin was like, uh, I, was, I was, I don't know, 14, 15 years old, and I deadlifted. And then and I came in the next day, and I was so scared because I just had this awful soreness. And Kevin was laughing. The, the, the coach there, who was like 30 at the time, he was laughing. He's like, you're really sore, huh? I was like, dude, I think I have kidney issues. He's like, this is the first time you ever deadlifted. That's, that's what's going to happen. So I think with the first time you lift, for, I'd say for the first, I don't know, maybe month, it's okay to be sore. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that. And ideally, a good coach is going to progressively overload you just, just enough to the point where you're going to make progress, but you're not going to be too sore, right? Yeah. So if you're just starting out and your coach is killing you, you got to say, hey, I'm new. Like the, What a lot of coaches don't realize is someone brand new can get stronger with 40% of their 100 max. You don't have to go crazy loading them. Just get them used to the movements. The other reason, though, I've seen people be overly sore is because they're going too hard. Yeah, that happens their, a lot. Their volume, more than their intensity, their volume is through the roof. Mm-hmm. They're doing way too much. They've got 25 exercises a workout. Yeah. In three or four sets of each, it's yeah. like relax. Yeah, what yeah, are you for, doing? Yeah, no it, wonder it takes, you're so sore. Yeah, and it takes up hours of your time yeah. to do. I mean, yeah, I, I think people go. It's like the all in. Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hit it hard yeah. all the time. Yeah, and and there's some something to be said for working hard, but then taking that to a different level and doing too much. Yeah. All right, <clears throat> this is a good question. We could jam on for a while. Does high amounts of stress affect weight loss and can it make can stress make it harder even with a calorie deficit oh yeah absolutely yep. it, it certainly can and and I think people don't understand it though why like I, I think that they're thinking well when I'm stressed I magically store fat correct you know that's what they believe that's what they believe which is wrong which is very <laughs> wrong right it, it, it is it's more about number one our behaviors that happen when we are stressed and the fact that our body is probably holding on to water while we're stressed, yeah. which is not unusual. So, but we think it's like all of a sudden the fat just glues to us, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, because we're stressed. That they, they've been told that, oh, well, my stress hormone cortisol is elevated. And when cortisol is elevated, you can't lose fat. That is fucking nonsense. That is nonsense. And, and when people are like, really? Like, how is that nonsense? I always just go to, I, I try, I just go to extreme examples because that's just, it makes sense to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of who are probably the most stressed people in the world. I don't know, like prisoners of war would probably be a very stressed individual, right? So I look at like people in Auschwitz. There were no overweight prisoners in Auschwitz. Not one. They were the most stressed people that you could ever imagine. Anytime someone uses like the starvation mode example that like eating too few calories and having really high stress causes you to store fat, I'm like, then why were the people in Auschwitz so emaciated to the point that they were dying of starvation? Yeah. It's like, that's not how it works. And people get mad when I use that example. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I hate when people get mad at me for using that example. It's like, it's a... People, you shouldn't use that example. It's like, actually, when you don't use that example, that's how people forget about horrors like that. Yeah, oh, amen to that. And when you forget about it, that's when you do them a disservice. Sorry if it makes you uncomfortable. I'm, you know what I mean? Come I'm the on. Kind of, like, could you imagine telling someone who's legitimately starving, who's like, let, let, we'll take Auschwitz out of it. We'll go to someone who's actually starving, mm-hmm. someone who's homeless, very high stress, like not eating very much. Could you imagine telling them, oh, well, you know, I, I'm very high stressed, so I can't lose any weight. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's like, I'm stuck yeah. outside. I have I have no home. I have no shelter. I can barely eat. It's like, this. the reason I'm emaciated is because of that. So don't tell me that your work stress is causing you to not lose fat. Yeah. That That's it, not how it works. No, it doesn't make any sense. No. What, whatsoever. No. And, and and I think that the stress, a lot of it is behaviors that happen to us. It's it. It's a you behavior know, issue. It's a behavior issue. I mean, when you're stressed... Maybe we're not thinking as clearly. We're tired. We're angry. We're you know we're all this. We're we're in, we're on impulse. You know we're not as aware of what we're doing. Yeah. When we're not stressed. Yeah. I mean, and you could look at it, generally speaking in terms of stress. There are two responses, and it depends on the person. Some people, when they're really stressed, they overeat. Yes. And other people, when they're really stressed, they undereat. They don't. That's eat. me. Yeah. That's me. And you'll lose weight when you're really stressed yeah. because you're not eating. Yeah. And that, and we see this. Like, if you actually look in the research, there are two clear different types of people here, and it's actually split about 50-50. Yeah. Some people stress eat. Some people stress 
under eat. Yeah. And that's what happens. Yeah. So uh, yes, the the important clarification here in this question is they said, can stress? I'm going to just open it up again. They said, does high amounts of stress affect weight loss? And they probably meant fat loss, mm-hmm. but. If we're going to nitpick here, it can affect weight loss because weight doesn't equal fat. And like you said, Susan, you said a couple minutes ago, you said stress, when your cortisol is elevated, it can actually hold on to extra water. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people, they'll be stressed, they'll be in a calorie deficit, and the scale won't be going down, and they will think, I'm not losing fat. When in reality, it's like, no, you are still losing fat, but you're holding on to water right now. Mm -hmm. If they kept going, the scale would eventually drop. It would work itself out. But sometimes the body will hold on to water when it's really stressed out. But just because you're holding on to water and the scale isn't going down does not mean you're not losing fat. And this this happens so often when people talk to us or send us messages about, you know, my my weight hasn't moved for X number of weeks or whatever, you know, and they're 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 ready to. Uh, drop calories substantially to accommodate when really this could be part of the scenario and it often is that everything is stressful right now their body's holding on to water stay the course and that's this is another reason why measurements can play such a role here Mm -hmm. because they can still tell a story even during this kind of time you know yeah measurements clothing size pants all that that stuff belt notches all of that absolutely okay next question Susan do you have any favorite big ass salad toppings and do you have any favorite guilty pleasure snacks? Well, so salad stuff. I like crunch in salad. Mm. Um, yeah. And I don't have I don't have like a favorite crunch. I don't care. Put anything on there. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Croutons. Yeah, uh, yeah any of that. It, I, so I like some crunch in a salad for sure. Um, and guilt, what is it? Guilt, I don't have guilty any guilty pleasure, pleasure snacks. snacks. I mean, because I don't feel guilty about yes, anything. Yes, I'm glad you said that. I mean, so if I want a snack, I'm going to have a snack. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a snacker. So, mm. so, so there's that end of it, too. I've become less and less of a snacker over the last several years. Um, but nothing that I have a guilty pleasure. I don't have a guilty pleasure food of any kind yeah, anymore. Because there's no guilt. No, there's, it doesn't exist. It did used to exist. Yeah. Though. I mean, yeah. And, and I would have said any kind of dessert would have been the guilty mm. thing for me. Yeah. Any kind of dessert. Um, but now it's like, no, if I really want it, I'm just going to have it. Yeah. You know? And what I found is I don't, because I have that now, I don't always want it. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's t- it's like a little different scenario. When it's no longer off limits, yeah. you don't feel this impulsiveness to have it. No. But when, yeah, but when you when you feel guilty about it, that's actually when you often overdo it. Like like our dinner last night, for instance, I would never. Which was have, amazing. Which though, was yeah. amazing. I would never have. That ordered. wine was so good. That wine. What was it called Naboa? Yeah. Naboa. It was super it good. It was so um, good. If you like white, it's a clean, crisp, white. light white wine. A little bit su- not overly sweet, just a little bit sweet. Mm-hmm. I think it's called an N E B O A. I think. I Naboa. think that's it. Yeah, Naboa. It was very good. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so good. But all, like all, all the appetizers that we got, so I would never have probably done, that might have been a guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. But it's just like, you know, that and some pizza and it's all good. Yeah. You know? I, I'm, I'm the same with salad. I love crunch in my salad. It's, mm-hmm. we, we get these, um, these like, they're called these Asian salads. Yeah, oh yeah. And they yeah, have, and they have these, those noodles. Yeah, they're like the fried, crispy fried noodles. Mm-hmm. Those are, I love those. Those are great. I also like um, pumpkin seeds. I do too. Because it's a little crunchy. There's uh, one kit that comes with a bunch of seeds. Yeah, that yeah, one. yeah. Those are super good. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I also love um, feta cheese or mm-hmm. goat cheese in my mm-hmm. salad. I'm like, I love all of those. Mm-hmm. So those are, are all great salad toppings. Um, and guilty pleasure snack, yeah. I mean, I, I don't feel guilty about any food or <laughs> snack that I eat. But in terms of just probably more of a treat, we'll call it, that I have on a on a regular basis, um, I sort of, I switch it, but let's see. I mean, lately I've been having Pringles. Yeah. For, for whatever reason, my wife has been buying Pringles lately. Like the Pringles. sour cream and onion yeah. Pringles, and yeah. like, I love those. Yeah, Pring- I think chips those are, in general? <laughs> yeah, they're so, chips are great. Chips are great, yeah. I, chips, I, I wasn't even thinking on the salty end, but chips, chips are something that yeah. you can. Yeah, yeah, like crunchy chips. Yeah. I like real crunchy chips. Yeah. All right. I think that's what my wife has been craving during her pregnancy. Oh, yeah? Just like yeah, yeah, she's been getting all these random chips that I've we I you have a quite a good variety here. Never bought Pringles 
in however many years we've been together, I've never seen her eat a Pringle. And now all of a sudden we've got canisters. <laughs> I'm I like, where it. is this from? Oh, wow, there we go. Um, okay, um, Susan, someone just wrote, Male versus female protein oh, gosh, powders. I get that too. All the time. There's, yeah. a, I don't know. Is there a gender specific protein <laughs> powder out there? Yeah. No, I mean, it has nothing to do with your gender. Get one. Get one that you like the taste of, and that fits into a budget. Uh, you know, and move on. Yeah, it's it's all marketing. Mm-hmm. That's in the same way. You know, they have they have razors for men and mm-hmm. razors for women. And uh, it's just marketing. They, yeah. they make the pink ones for women, and they make the blue and silver mm-hmm. and black ones for men. And mm-hmm. the the commercials for the women have, like, all the women running to the beach, and it's like, you're my Venus, yeah, you're yeah. my you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And the guy has, like, a hot girl, you know, stroking his face. Yep. And yeah, it's like, nice it's all marketing. It's yeah. so, so for the women protein powders, the marketing, they'll have a pink container, and it'll be, like, say something the effect of, just like lean toned like uh long muscles whatever guaranteed the word tones gonna be yeah, in there guaranteed right? and whereas for the guys it's like mass triple x it's it's there's it's protein protein powder is just a more convenient way of getting protein in whether it's a chicken breast whether it's eggs whether it does it's just protein there aren't male protein amino acids and female protein it's just Mm -hmm. it's fucking protein yep so there's no such thing no Um, such thing Susan and I drink the same protein powder. Yeah. Again, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to get 20% off from, from Legion. But we drink the same exact protein powders, and we are not the same gender. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter. Let's see. Is gaining weight at the beginning of an exercise regime normal? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Especially if you're lifting. Um, oh, yeah. Especially if you're lifting. Yeah, absolutely, it's normal. And people kind of freak out about that. Oh, they freak out so much, and, yeah. And then they will stop. Yeah. Or they'll reduce calories. Oh, I must have done something wrong. Oh, I, they, I always get that. They think they're gaining muscle so quickly. I know. Well, yeah, <laughs> That's I mean, the funny They're like, I, I started lifting and I gained five pounds of muscle, muscle in the first week. <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 you didn't. It, it, it is normal. And, and along those lines, I think over time, when their weight consistently is going up, they use that as an excuse. Yep, yep. Like, you know what? At that point, if this is consistent over a decent amount of time, you need to look at your calories because, no, you're not putting on muscle like that. Right. You're yep. eating too much. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's exactly right. <laughs> um, for, for gaining weight... In, in an, during an exercise routine, I always say, like, if you've never lifted or have rarely lifted or took a long time away from lifting and then you start lifting, yeah, you're, you're going to gain some weight. But it's not fat. It's just your muscles are holding on to more glycogen and water. Yeah, and that is the issue. It's so funny how people, the second the scale goes up, it's fat. Yep. It doesn't it. matter. It could be a two ounces of fat. It could be a pound and a half of fat. Yep. It could be three pounds of fat overnight. Yep. It's all fat. And if you actually say this out loud, it sounds stupid. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But this is what everyone, including myself, used to think. I didn't understand that my body would hold on to water. Yeah. And I look back on things now, and often when I felt fluffy or full or whatever, that and, and the scale may have gone up or whatever, this was water. I didn't understand that. Yep. But once you can understand it, things make so much more sense. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and this not only happens at the beginning of when you start exercising, but even like right now. Yeah. I've been training for like 15 years. And if I have a very heavy lower body day, the scale's going to be up. 100%. Oftentimes between three to five pounds after my my heavy lower body day, depending on how heavy I go and how much volume I do. The more volume I do, the heavier I'm probably going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because oftentimes more muscle damage will then lead to more and more and more uptake of glycogen and water. Uh, and then also oftentimes I'm hungrier on those days as well. So then I'll eat more. And so I have more food in my stomach, yeah. which will lead to more weight gain. Yeah. But again, it's not fat. It's right. And, and I'm working through that, this with my son, Mike, right now, because mm-hmm. the, especially on lifting days. Yeah, yeah. Because he's lifting a crap ton right now. And um, he's noticing, he's learning the scale stuff because he's yeah. weighing in every day and and is understanding that that spike is going to work itself out and it always does yeah yeah i will say sometimes people 
they like you were saying they'll use it as an excuse that weight should not continue to trend upward for months at a time yeah if the, if your weight is trending upwards for one two three months now it's not an issue of weightlifting now it's an issue of your diet correct and, yeah. and that's actually why for example in the inner circle in the inner circle app that we have which i should clarify people always i can't find the app in the, yeah. in the app store it's not in the app store that we made the app just for inner circle members so if you join the inner circle then you'll get a link to download the app uh but it's not in the app store um but <clears throat> In the app, we have a, a both a consistency calendar and a weight tracker app. And the weight tracker app, when you use it, when you track your weight every day, number one, it, it shows you a trend line. It will show you where the trend of your weight is going. So even though you might spike up, the trend line will show you what the actual direction of your weight is going, whether it's down or up or maintaining, which is super, super helpful. So what'll happen is, if you're, if you're, let's say you have a random spike up because you had a heavy couple of days of lifting in a row, it will still tell you what your overall trend is so it can sort of keep you on track and, and not have you worry about it. But if your trend line is consistently going up for a month, two months, three months, that's probably telling you you're eating too much. Yeah, absolutely. And that trend line has been so helpful for people to see who get caught up in the day-to-day. Like yeah. they get so focused on the minutia of di- the weight goes up here, down here, da 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 every single day, it's it's a way of forcing you to step back mm. and look at a broader picture. Correct. And when you can see that, you're like, oh my God, I actually really am trending down, which yeah, is what I want to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and the way we structured it is you can't check your trend for until you've tracked for at least yeah. 30 days. Yeah. And that was sort of the genius of what we did there is because a lot of people, they want to see their trend after... Seven, seven minutes in, yeah. in a calorie deficit. Yeah. It's like there's no trend yet. Yeah. <laughs> you, you haven't tracked. So so once you track for 30 days, then you'll get your trend. But that's also our way of getting people to be consistent with tracking. Yeah. Right? Where it's yeah. like we, we don't want you to, to go in and use it and then stop after a week. It's like we want you to develop this habit of tracking both your consistency, tracking your weight, and using all of this in, in an appropriate way so that you can develop a healthier relationship with scale and yourself. Yeah. I think that trend line is so helpful for seeing the bigger picture because we can get caught up in the ups and downs because sometimes people feel like they're just going losing and gaining the same two pounds Mm -hmm. because you're so so focused on monday to tuesday and tuesday to thursday and thursday to friday instead of taking a step back and look what's been happening over time just had an example of this yeah and where where the person didn't think they were doing very well but if you look at their weight at one date in January and their weight one day in February, it's like 10 pounds down yeah, or something exactly. like that. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, I guess you've been hovering at this one number up and down for about a week and a half or so or however many. But the overall picture is you're doing what you need to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. So, so actually, if you'd like to join the Inner Circle and get access to the app and everything that we have and all of our workouts, uh, you can do that at the link in the show notes. We would love to have you join the mm-hmm. Inner Circle. And I think that's probably a good place to end. I think it is. Susan, where can yeah. people follow you again? Um, you can follow me, Susan Niebergall Fitness, on Instagram, YouTube, you know, Facebook, all the places. Amazing. And again, if you'd like to join both Susan and myself in the Inner Circle, we would love to have you join at the link in the show notes or www.sfinnercircle.com. Again, the app is not in the App Store. It's just once you are a member, you will get a direct link to download that directly to your phone. So... That's it. That's it. Love you, Susan. Love you.